My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your co-host, Eric Italiano. Now, if you are a frequent listener of this show, you will know that it is not my voice that usually kicks us off. Those duties are usually reserved for my excellent co-host, Brandon Katz. But today is not a normal episode because, for the first time ever, we have a returning guest on the Post Credit Podcast, and that is Director Zack Snyder. Now, Usually we like to attach a longer conversation to our interviews, but because we also have Edgar Wright coming later this week, I figured I would just release the Zack Snyder conversation on its own as a special podcast treat for y'all. So if you haven't already, please head to the Apple Podcast Reviews and leave us five stars. Check out Army of Thieves when it hits theaters on October 29th. And we will talk to y'all Friday when we are discussing movie twists, Last Night in Soho, and a 30-minute conversation with Edgar Wright. All right, y'all. Cheers. Folks, it is with great pleasure and pride today. I welcome Zack Snyder, our first ever return guest, back to the show. Last time, he was the director of Army of the Dead. This time, he is the producer of Army of Thieves. How are you today, Zach? And thank you for joining us. I'm doing awesome. It's great to be here. That's good. I see you've traded. Last time you were super zoomed out, and now I see you're in sort of a white void. <laughs> you know, I don't control these things 100%. So, um, you know, you're just going to have to bear with me on that. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd be probably in the tropics somewhere, actually. You and oh, me yeah. both. It's getting cold where I am. All right. So, the uh, Bora Bora interview. The uh yeah, the background, the, the way no, no, not the background. Actually, actually be Bora yeah. Bora, yeah. <laughs> so let's start with the Army of Thieves. No, not the background. <laughs> you you uh you <laughs> produced this film and I'm curious, did you plan to spin this character off, Dieter, when you were writing the film, or was it once you met Matthias and saw the scene stealing performance that he brought to it? Yeah, it was um, literally when we shot his very first scene in the movie, we well, we had a plan to do spinoffs. We had, we'd always talked about, even when I was writing the original script, we were going to, like, we had all these characters, we're going to do, we're going to spin one of these guys off. And the idea was to do a kind of local language, local territory film, whether it be in India, whether it be in, you know, Paris, whether it be in Germany, that they were going to be these small a little film in that territory, in that language, native language. And then what happened was I saw Matthias and we had written, I'd written this whole elaborate ring cycle, Gotterdammerung, uh, Hans Wagner, mythological sort of the safes of army sort of story that he in the scene tells in a much bigger way than what you see in the film. Like I'd written him like it's a fucking two page monologue about like the why of it, you know? And he was like, Oh my God, do I have to do all this? I'm like, yeah, do it. And so he, so he does the whole thing and it's amazing. And you know, we, we, we edited it down to what you see in the film, but like he did the whole thing and it was really funny and, and really, 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 um, really cool. And, but when we walked out of that, that scene, I said to Debbie, I said to my wife, my producer i said you know what that's the movie like that's the sequel that's the prequel it's it's we find out how he knows anything about these saves why he why he's obsessed we go back to germany we figure out why he's in america everything that happens 
And so then well, Shay and I just came up with a story and then we pitched it to Matthias and he was into it. Plus it helps that he directs. It kind of reminds me as legend goes, Quentin Tarantino was going to give up on Bastards because he didn't think he could fill the role of Hans Landa. And then Christoph Waltz just fell into his lap and was perfect for it. And that's sort of the vibe that I get here. Not only is he a scene-stealing performer that's perfect for the role, but he was also able to be sent off and direct the film himself. I mean, what a fit that is. Yeah, no, it's, it was perfect. Yeah, and also absolutely. during the pandemic, weirdly, we shot it. While I was editing Army and finishing Justice League, they were shooting. So there was like, it was amazing that they could like, yeah. you know, keep it together. So Which they did th- a great job. Absolutely. This is a film, and to that point, this is a film that is a mix of a few genres. It's part heist, it's part comedy with a sprinkle of zombie and a bit of romance in it. What yeah. are the biggest challenges of merging genres, and why was that such a goal for this film? Well, you know, we were obsessed. I'm obsessed with sort of genre busting, like sort of trope aware tone. Mm. Right? That was my next question. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I, and I, and so when we were talking about doing this, I was like, you know, it'd be cool if it was like a romantic comedy sort of heist movie and we could just fuck with all those tropes, you know, because it's so fun to kind of go after the team and go after the romance and the misunderstanding, um, you know, like all of that stuff that you just, that, 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 that we all, like when we see a romantic comedy or a heist film or an action film, there's certain things we want to have happen. And um, it's cool when people take those super seriously, but it's also fun when you're like kind of mess with them at the same time, you know? Even the, even the notion that at the end of the movie, you know, spoiler, small spoiler alert, that um, Dieter's character's um, heart is broken or is like there's the love, the the sort of love affair part of the movie or the, the the romance plays a huge part at the end of the movie and it's kind of this thing that spurs us on into the into army of well not just that but then it, it then it retroactively adds a layer to his performance and character in the first film hundred percent when he walks up to the sh- safe shop you know it says Gwendolyn's right. safe shop and you understand right. immediately like. Oh, of course, that's Gwendolyn. So you uh, you touched on tropes, and I was going to ask you about that. This is a film that leans into that heavy, particularly when it comes to the crew. I mean, the posters for your film literally has, like, the getaway driver, you know, dead-on names. Is this born out of appreciation for the genre, the desire to poke fun at it, and or a bit of both? And why do you feel that way? Yeah, a bit of, a bit of both. I, I don't know that we ever, you know, it's 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 what I said about Army, it's like you can you can have fun without making fun, right? Mm. Like we don't make I don't think and we're not making fun of it, but we're but what we're telling the audience is that you know you've already gone to school on this, right? You as an audience member are a little bit ahead of us because you know that we need a getaway driver, we need a hacker, we need a mastermind, we need muscle. Like those are like it's it's not. You're not surprised that these are the guys, right? I mean, Brad Cage, like just his name killed me, you know? It's just, it's fun. It's fun. You enjoy yeah, it. Like, and this guy who's like, you know, that calls himself Brad Cage is like, you know, the, like exactly who you, 
who you who he's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, and that's so. just like super. You know, and Stuart did such a good job. He's such a sweetheart. You know, in real life. Yeah. You know, it's just funny to see him being such a kind of a you know stereotypical action douche. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you. Speaking of being a part of the heist crew, which member would you want to be, and then which do you actually think you would be? Like, if what what job would you take on in a heist crew? Yeah, I think in a heist crew, I'm probably, you know, I'm kind of Val Kilmer from Heat, but with a lot of Robert De Niro also, because I'm probably doing a lot of the planning, but I'm also, I'm probably Robert De Niro from Heat, actually. I want to be Val Kilmer. But I'm probably more De Niro. Not, it's not such a bad thing when you have to settle for being De Niro and Heat. <laughs> I'm completely wrong, but that's what I think. So that's fine. <laughs> so I actually noticed a ton of pop culture references in this film, which, correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't so heavy in Army of the Dead. It definitely stuck out to me in this one. I won't get into specifics because I want people... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. No, and, and that was by design because I think the difference is... Um, Zombie movies in general rely less on a modern pop culture aesthetic, right? They exist kind of because they're post-apocalyptic. Uh, there is a perception. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, I don't mean to get too heady about this, but there is a perception that the modern world, as we know it, and AKA movies and um, music and things like that, that they don't, they play a role, but they're not central to the why of it. Where when you're doing something like this, an action heist movie with a romantic comedy kind of overlay, you are much more self-aware of, because heist movie is a broader pop culture concept, not broader, but it is a more sort of, there's more fun natural fun sort of pop culture references can be had within the context of it. Well, because when it's a zombie film, there's no avoiding the fact that the world is over, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> and where this is like a thing where you could say like, I love Point Break or like, I love, you know, um, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, Nicolas Cage and, you know, all that. Those things can play much, much stronger than say, I, I think. And that's just my take. Yeah, I, I, because it, it's hard to picture them still being so concerned with these things while the entire world is on fire. Check. Um, so um, I'm curious, and I know that you had to have thought about this, about when in the timeline you placed this in, in relation yeah. to the zombie outbreak. Yeah. It was starting and it was on the news. So uh, what what went behind the decision of when to place this? Yeah, in my mind... You know, using the zombie outbreak in Las Vegas as a thing that sort of destabilized the uh, monetary systems um, briefly throughout the world, we just felt like that inherently was felt natural to uh, like the what, what we had observed in the real world. Um, and so this notion that um, where it happens is kind of in the title sequence of Arm, like during the title sequence gotcha, of, okay. of, of, of Army of the Dead is when this movie takes place. Okay, perfect. 
I actually want to ask you about your next project, which is something I'm thrilled for, and that is Rebel Moon. And this falls under a genre that I affectionately refer to as romantic sci-fi. Sure, um, that's good. Yeah, Correct. which like the Blade Runners of the world, where where it's a sci-fi world and sci-fi structure, but at the heart of it is a romantic story. At least yeah. that's yeah. So Correct. And I want to talk to you about the casting. For a film like Watchmen, while they were all fantastic actors, I wouldn't say any of them were necessarily A-listers at the time. But then you have films like Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, which has stars and Oscar winners and nominees across the board. Are you leaning in any particular direction while casting this film? And are there any roles or castings that, that you could tease for us today? Um, there are, let, let me put it this way. I really feel like with this movie, again, I'm obsessed with just making sure that like, um, it's funny because like I have now like this sort of, I don't want to call it a repertoire, but like a, a group of actors that I, I really love and, 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 and trust, uh, incredibly, but like, I mean, look at what we did, you know, with Justice League and, and with Batman vs Superman with like, you know, we were, you know, just like Gal Gadot or Jason Momoa or, you know, Ezra Miller, you know, Ray, you know, these were guys, Ray Fisher, you, the, I don't think anyone was like, oh, obvious, like, right. you know, those guys yeah. are like super obvious, but, but like, you know, worked out pretty great. Um, and I think that that's kind of, my approach to Rebel Moon is really about, because um, it is an ensemble, really kind of um, making sure that the that each of the roles that we're casting um, bring a freshness, but a gravitas and sort of importance to the to to the roles. So. I would say probably a mix. I don't. I don't want to. No, I, by I by all means. I'm just. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big fan of your work, big nerd, and this is the type of thing that I would love to see you work on. So I don't want to pry too much, but you're no, set I appreciate it. And listen, it is for me. You know, Rebel Moon is like really the kind of. Um, it's kind of like a real. Um, it's me getting to do something I've always wanted to do. Well, so it's good, great. because you've just teed me off then. What are you doing in this film that you personally, as a filmmaker, haven't done yet? And why does that excite you? I guess it's, um, I guess what I, I, I've never done, well, first of all, I've never done um, a science fiction film at this, I mean, look, at the beginning of Man of Steel has the science fiction, pretty, pretty big science fiction elements in it, right? Krypton. But it's still Krypton and there's certain iconographic things, certain things you have to do, you know. And like, that scene is the perfect example of what I talk about when I mean romantic sci-fi. You've got a world exploding, but the story that you're concerned with is father, mother, and son. Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of what we're doing in Rebel Moon, but on the biggest steroids that I can um, give it, you know, because like that, and, and that's frankly what I'm really interested with this movie is is creating a sci-fi romantic sci-fi film on a scale and that that you know it's hard it, it that, that that it's just frankly as big as you can make a movie right uh -huh. and and I, and I think that that's 
that's kind of the thing that I really, really makes me excited, you know, to, to tackle. We're really in sync on this chat, man, because you're just teeing me off through my entire list. <laughs> um, expansive fantasy and sci-fi seems to be the next great cinematic frontier. When you look at the money that Apple has invested in Foundation or Amazon or Wheel of Time or Warner Bros. and Dune, what are you hoping to do with Rebel Moon that's different from the rest of this landscape? Yeah, I guess for me, you know, it, it's kind of this culmination of, of, you know, my love of mythology and my love of giant movies and action and, and, and really just epic cinema to, to do something that, um, that, that satisfies my love of science fiction motion picture kind of you know my main probably reason for getting into to being a, a filmmaker was star wars in 1977 and i think that that capturing that feeling for another generation is the thing that i really would hope hope to do that what happened to me when i saw that movie absolutely and to that end, though, you know, uh, you haven't been shy of the fact that this film is inspired by Star Wars, but making a Star Wars film has proved in the last few years to be quite the task. How do you yeah, plan? I think, well, yeah, I think the ahead, my thing is that, I, I mean, I think the thing that I, that I am excited about is that this is like original IP. This is like my take. There's no, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll create the fandom for this world as we go. And, um, you know, that, that's what I think I'm ready to like these, the fans of this movie are going to walk in wide eyed and ready to go on a journey. They have no idea where we're going. Yeah. And so, yeah so, so this is the most sort of world building and lore building that you've done so far. Yes. hundred percent. One thousand percent. And so is that a, is that born out of the franchise and I, and the, the age of franchise and IP that we're in, like, has your process of crafting a film changed as you're writing Rebel Moon? Are you simultaneously trying to develop characters or worlds or plot lines that could be spun off? Yeah, and I think that that happened. I've been working on this idea again for probably close to 12 years, maybe. And uh, and so, and we were going to do it as a TV show. We were going to do it all these different formats. So I've been... You can imagine that as a TV show, we have like a giant Bible of the entire universe and what's happening. And then we went down to this, what started off as kind of what it is, it grew to another thing. And then I came back to what it is. So in the growing out to the super long thing, we had to like color in every corner of the universe. And then it actually was a great exercise because then when we brought it back to what it originally was for me, um, we had done all the work. Uh, right. of, of this uh, in this world so it was like you know we we had we had spent the time to 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 fill out all the mythological backstories of every character and we yeah. know where everybody's from and you get to glimpses of that you know in the in the show so whenever you meet someone and they tell their story you get to go to their world briefly and see what they're all about you know right I've got to wrap soon. I, I just want to close quickly. I saw that this past week you tweeted at Matt Reeves about the Batman trailer. You and I are both gigantic fans of this character. Yep. 
so I and I kind of asked you a version of this the last time we spoke. What villains are you hoping to see Reeves tackle? Because personally, I want to see someone new. I'm done with Joker. I would like to see Hush or Court of Owls or something like that. What villains would you like to see him take on? And were there any like, villains? I mean, I feel like it's Riddler. Um, oh, I just mean like going forward. Uh, down. Oh, oh yeah. going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, there are so many. Oh, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze. We were just saying because Matthias was saying like, I want to play Mr. Freeze. Um, so yeah, but that would be cool. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, that I would love to see, um, you know, frankly, I'd love to see Penguin. I think that would be cool. Like, yeah. I would love, to, I think that yeah. that's a great character. And I would love to see like a version of Penguin that's not, you know, it, it, it has a inherent camp to it that it'd be awesome to see how you could deconstruct it and make it into something crazy. Is he someone that you would have done Go, if, if your world kept going? Penguin and freeze? Uh, very much so. Well, I mean, I was obsessed. I mean, yeah, we were working on, you know, well, obviously Catwoman we talked about and, um, you know, uh, we had a, a Riddler concept that we had talked about. So, yeah, there was awesome. a lot of, okay. You know, remember, we talked about like the Riddler was the one that kind of figured out the anti-life equation on Earth. Oh, right. In, in the specs, right? I think. Specs, yeah, like exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, I thank you again for your time. Congrats on the film Army of Thieves. And hopefully when Rebel Moon comes around, we will get to chat then. Thank you, oh, sir. Oh, we will, <laughs> sir.